Hello and welcome to Sometimes Dead is Better. And it's me, Kristen. And me, Chris. And we are going to talk about a horror movie. We sure are. And I think I'm going to switch up things. Yes. Uh, so what are we going to do that's different a year into our podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Also, we didn't celebrate that we have been doing this a full year. Right. Yeah. When was, when, when was the anniversary? November 22nd. That is amazing. I know. Do you know how many episodes we've done? I mean, over 30? Well, that's great. Yeah. And so um, I think you were telling me that most people, you know, most losers, <laughs> don't make it uh, past the year when they're trying podcasts. Yes. I think that's kind of what I kind of set my goal on, too. It's like, well, we got to at least make it a year. Right. And now it doesn't even feel like it's been a year. Not really, no. I mean, we're a huge success as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> we get like 50 people to listen to. <laughs> <Shh>. Okay. <laughs> well, we, we like doing it. Yes, yeah. And I'm proud of us for keeping up with it yeah. and putting it out consistently. I think it is a success. I mean, these will exist in one form or another. I mean, aliens have come here a thousand years from now and find these in the radio. <laughs> I don't know. How does that work? <laughs> I don't know. Right. But, but yes, yeah, so what I'm thinking is, because usually we talk about the horror movie longer, and then at the end I do like 15, 20 minutes about the true crime. Um, but some people may not even make it all the way to the end. You know, what if it's too long? Or what if they just want to hear the true crime? So I think what I'm going to try doing is release one episode with just the horror movie. And then the next week, you'll hear the true crime. So, that uh, way you'll have something to look forward to the next week. You'll have something every week. Yeah, there'll be like a cliffhanger. Yes. Uh, part one and a part two. And then maybe, you know, in between, you guys can try and guess what it's going to be. Oh, that's, yeah, that's interesting. And then I can spend a little more time on the true crime, and we can talk about it a little more than instead of just tacking it on the end. So we'll see how it goes. We'll see, yeah. Uh, but either way, we'll need your feedback yes. on whether you know it works or not, because we're going to love it no matter what. That would be nice. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much all we do is text each other and talk about how fantastic our yes, podcast I is. I think I just said, I love our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe we need outside input. Who knows? That would be great. Thank you in advance. <laughs> Well, so should we go ahead and say what movie we're doing first or just jump? Well, we're doing, yes. Okay. Um, so the, the movie we're doing uh, today is Psycho. Mm-hmm. From 19, kind of a classic. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if you guys have heard of it. <laughs> uh, it's from 1960, right? Mm-hmm. Am I right? Now, is this the oldest movie we've done? Certainly, right? Yeah. I mean, what, would, what would the other one be? Dread Sundown, probably? Yes. Yeah. That was still... That was maybe s- 10 years later, right? Yeah. Well, so we did... Night of the Living Dead, which was 68. I think that was the oldest one. So this is oh, now. Yeah, I already forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, last week's episode. Right. Well, so before we get that, we have lots of thoughts, I'm sure. What, what have you been watching? What have you been watching? This is going to be the new character that introduces it. Okay. His name is uh, Darby O'Gill. Darby O'Gill. <laughs> which is a movie I loved as a kid. Do you remember that movie? No, what is it? Darby O'Gill and the Little People. No, Sean Connery. Anyway. He played a little person? <laughs> no, he played Darby O'Gill. Okay. And he frolicked with little people. It was like a, like they were like elves or something. And it was like Scott, like Irish and it was wonderful. Did you like dream this? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the movie, uh, well, I watched a movie recently that uh, everyone is kind of talking about. It's up for um, 
the Oscars. Mm-hmm. We're recording this um, maybe a month before the Oscars uh, are aired, I think. Aren't they in February? Yeah. Um, but they just announced nominations. Uh, and Marriage Story, which I'm talking about, has been nominated for, I mean, most of the big ones, don't you yeah. think? Uh, so Adam Driver. Uh, My boy. ScarJo. Is that what you say? <laughs> I don't know. Scarlett Johansson, but I think you call her ScarJo. Who calls her that? You know, the I know. memes. Like J-Lo, yeah. And then I think it's up for Best Director and Best Movie and all that. So yeah, so it's a new Noah, Noah Baumbach movie, which mm-hmm. is on Netflix only, if you haven't uh, come across it. Um, and it seems to me that everybody online, at least on Twitter, is pretty um, polarized on whether they like it or not. Some really? people think Some people think it's overwrought and overacted and just sort of mawkish, I don't know, basically sentimental in sort of all the wrong ways. And then most people like me think, you know, every part of it is wonderful. Right. <laughs> And again, Adam Driver mm-hmm. and Scarlett Jane. I mean, it's, I thought it was fantastic. Uh, if you haven't seen it, it's about a married couple that are, um, you know, just slowly, or I don't know, quickly maybe going through a, a divorce because of some infidelities and sort of just adult things that happen. Uh, it's not, you know, there's no major inciting incident or anything, but it's just about this professional couple that's, uh, you know, breaking up. And I feel like I've seen movies like this before, but... But it's just a very, it's very funny, you know. Mm-hmm. I think it's very, it seems very honest. And uh, I thought Adam Driver in particular was amazing. Mm-hmm. And I thought Scarlett Johansson was amazing. So I would, I would highly recommend it. What, what, were you, what were you thinking? I loved it. What did you love about it? Well, I love Noah Baumbach, uh, the movie he did, Kicking and Screaming. And I've never actually seen Squid that Squid and the Whale. Okay, yeah. Have um, you seen Frances Ha? Are you a fan of that one? I started it, but she was just too quirky. <laughs> I couldn't take it. I do, I mean, I do love, I appreciate Greta Gerwig, and I wanted to like it, but I think he also did a movie called Greenberg. Yeah. She was in that. I liked that. Her and Ben Stiller. Uh, I mean, Squid and the Whale is one of the best ones, I think, but, but I I mean, and some, somewhere in the middle, I was kind of like, well, this isn't really, is this supposed to be like realistic? We're supposed to, because like, who is a famous Broadway director and, and, and a teen movie star they go but then i was like no this is just a story this is just a story of them and it can be relatable to anybody and um one of my favorite scenes was what really summed up parenthood when adam driver came to pick up his kid and the kid would not get in the car oh right and it wouldn't let go of his mom and he just went get in the fucking car yeah i guess but then he took a second he went i'm sorry but get in the fucking car. And that's exactly how what what like raising kids is like. It's like I'm sorry. I, I can't imagine that. how terrifying it'd be to have Adam Driver as a oh father. Oh my gosh! Like <laughs> looming over you. <laughs> and he likes to yell anyway, uh, much less when he's angry. I think that yeah. I mean that'd be terrifying. That, that was a great scene. I love the scene. Um, pretty much any of the Adam Driver. What's the I don't know what the boy's name is, but Adam Driver and Henry. Son, Henry. Because that's what I wanted to name um, Adam. Yeah, the whole sequence where he's uh, pre- preparing for the social worker visit or whatever oh, you call yeah. that the most funniest slash most suspenseful scenes <laughs> I've seen in a long time. But then when he cuts himself. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, so good. Uh, I love Martha Kelly who showed up. She was the social worker. Right. You know, she's on my, my show Baskets. I love that show. Right. And Merritt Weaver is up in it. And of course, oh, yeah, lest we even mention Laura Dern. Oh, who, yeah. Uh, probably, who, who I think people have their money on winning the Oscar. She should, yeah. The, 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 I want to hang out with her. Right. Well, that, and that was my, one of my favorite parts of the, of the movie, or was the lawyer aspect of it. Yeah. Because I'm not a divorce lawyer by any means. But, I mean, it's kind of right on point. Like, you know, she's just all about winning. And I know that sounds horrible, but that's her job. Yeah. And so if she's going to get the best result for a client and look fabulous doing it, mm-hmm. you know, even if you feel kind of icky about it by the end, like, like, you know, like Scarlett does. 
already want to watch it again now that I'm talking about it. Because I mean, I watched it the one time. I'm like, okay, well, probably not watch that for another ten years. <laughs> oh, and then at the end when he started singing, I just about almost died. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Everybody, everybody loves that part. I said, like, "What's happening? Is this real? Am I dreaming this?" <laughs> so I recommend Marriage Story. I guess I wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but good point. I I, mean, I, I really enjoyed about it. it. But whenever I tell people about it, I say, "If you're in for this type of thing, so what have you been watching?" Um, Brian and I went to go see another Oscar movie. Yes. 1917. Oh, okay. Tell me about it. It was wonderful. Really? Yes. Uh, did you, do you like war movies? I do. Okay. I don't like, like, army stuff. Like, like Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, if it's like, I think I like the history part ones, but if it's like modern day, like army stuff. Oh, I see. Yeah. I, I guess I think, so you're okay with like World War Two and yes. things like that. I get it. Yeah. That makes sense. Okay. That does sound weird. I hate <laughs> armies. <laughs> Just all that kind of bores me. Like when it's modern day, except if it's certain things, like if they do it in an interesting way, like three Kings well, or so let me, Jarhead. Let me, uh, I can say Jar Jar for some reason. <laughs> so let me say this. Uh, the whole, the whole one long take thing type mm-hmm. movies always exhaust me. Like I get way more stressed out than I need to. Like Birdman, I can never watch that again. Like it just yeah, but I didn't like that anyway. Th- that could be it. Um, and so I've heard. You know, this is at least mostly one long take. So, well, I mean, yeah. I'm sure it's. I mean, of, I think it's more like probably six to ten minutes, and then they kind of still. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's amazing. I can't imagine but getting exhausting, through, like, getting through it, five and a half minutes and then he trips and he's like, oh, right. fuck. Clean his boots off, get him back to the beginning, get that blood off his face, we had to start all over. Well, so did they do it well, I guess? Or yes. Did you, okay, did you notice it or? Yes. But I did know, I did. I noticed it, I didn't read that before. I didn't read anything about it before. Oh, okay. But you notice it right away because you're following these people you're like right on their tail. I guess the what I mean time. is like, are you like super conscious of it the whole time and it almost like takes you out of the movie or is it sort of not really, is it not really that big of a deal? I don't know if it takes you out of the movie. What also kind of took me out of the movie, not in a bad way, but just like everything, all the, the set pieces and the scene work was just so amazing. I just kind of kept thinking like, wow, look at all that stuff they built. Everything was just so interesting, and that didn't really take me out of it, but it wasn't like I didn't realize I was watching a movie, but it was, I mean, there was action, it never stopped, it was, it was great. It, and it's, it's no Dunkirk, I have to say. You like Dunkirk? Yes. I love Dunkirk. Hate armies. <laughs> I also hate that that fish movie beat Dunkirk. What was the fish movie? The Shape of Water. Oh. <laughs> which is what my dad said the other day. He was like, you know, it was basically Splash, and I was like, oh my gosh, it is. That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Crack me up. I think that movie is going to be one of those. Uh, I mean, I don't want to pile on that movie any more than it already is, but I do think that's going to be one of those. Like, why was that a thing? When it, <laughs> like twenty years from now. Yeah. Like, what was that silent movie that won oh, Best yeah. Picture? The artist. Yeah. Like, it, does anyone ever talk about the movie anymore? Right. I've still never seen that. I didn't either. And then Benedict Cumberbatch shows up, and it was just that was always great. So I mean, I think it'll definitely win Best Picture. Oh, you think it'll win? I think it will. Was it better than Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? No, so, but in different ways. It's, it's just it's such different movies. Well, I'll say I watched that again. It was even better the second time or mm. third time, however many times I've seen it. I guess we're in just our Tarantino corner. <laughs> uh, and maybe this is like all of his movies, but they're great kind of hangout movies. You kind of just have it on. Well, I'm, I'm uh, not saying that I think 1917 should definitely win over Once Upon a Time. I'm like just saying that it's probably going to win based on um, a war movie hasn't won in a while. Also, just the unbroken take thing. I just think 
didn't win the Golden I mean, probably, Globe. Yeah. But I was also, they were split, you know, so Once Upon a Time won musical or comedy. Yeah, so funny. Yes. And then... <laughs> I mean, it is. And then uh, 1917 won drama. And then, so Brad Pitt won Best Supporting Actor, Musical or Comedy. But I think they do think he's going to win the Oscar, too. I would give it to Leo over Brad, but I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Yeah. I mean, I lo- I'm glad, I think Brad Pitt should get every award he wants. But that, Leo is going up against Joaquin Phoenix, who everybody wants to win. That exhausts me. So he goes method, and so he wins. But then Leonardo DiCaprio just like kind of... Gave a good performance yes. of an actual character. Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's kind of frustrating. but And also I feel like they, they feel like, well, we already gave him an Oscar. Okay, so should we get into what we've been... Drinking? What we are drinking. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, uh, this was one of uh, your ideas this time. I had, I had no thoughts at all about it. I was looking for Norman, Norman-influenced drinks and beers, things with Norman in the title. It was going south really quickly. So. Too bad his name wasn't Josh Bates. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what are we drinking? Well, I, I guess it's um, kind of known that Hitchcock liked to drink and eat. He sure did. He sure did. And ogle women and make them uncomfortable. But so I looked up what one of his favorite drinks was gin which seems like a very old timey thing to me i suppose it is yeah. i really like gin so it is called the white lady which is a cocktail drink so it's got gin contro or we bought the cheaper patron but uh an orange liqueur and lemon juice um well i think it's, it's quite good it's, it's bitter um, well and the lemon is kind of separating but i oh, guess yeah. you're probably supposed to drink it a little faster yeah and do we decide whether there's supposed to be ice in it maybe that's well, it's like a martini. I think you're supposed oh. to shake it up. It's supposed to be chilled, but you probably pour it in a chill glass. But then by the time we were drinking it. Yeah, and I didn't have a shaker, so I apologize. Yeah. Um, but you can definitely. I'm not, I'm not coming back. <laughs> I think it's good. So cheers to um, Alfred Hitchcock and uh, terrorizing white women. <laughs> um, well, and then I also like the description of the drink was something about how she looks fragile, but she's a very strong woman. Woman. Reminds me of, I mean, Marion and Lila. They're strong women. Not so much Marion? No, I'm thinking more Marion, less Lila. Um, I don't know. Let's talk about it. Okay. Well, also, what we're going to do is we thought about trying to incorporate more drinking games. Yes. And so we have to give all due credit to your, your brother, Casey, for yes. this idea, correct? Yes. And so what is this idea? Well, I was just he was thinking like every time we mention something, because it seems like on most episodes, you somehow reference a Simpsons episode. I, I'm not really aware of this. but Or I re- <laughs> reference a Lost episode. Oh, that's, that's absolutely true. Or somehow ER comes up. or So I thought we'd like, kind of just start um, running down things that we mention a lot. And then when one of us mentions it, the other one can call it on the other one and they have to drink. Right. Not that we'd be like, oh, no, I have to drink. But we've still... <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, we watched the horror movie. We have to drink. Um <laughs> Okay, yeah, so I'm, I'm all for that. So um, I guess we'll, we have some rules, and there'll be maybe a little bit inside jokes, but at some point you'll hear us say drink, and that means one of our cardinal rules, I guess, has been broken. <laughs> yeah, so. we'll have to figure out what those are exactly, yeah. too. And I guess if you guys have ideas, you can submit it through our um, Twitter or Facebook, whatever, and let us know what maybe what habits we have. That um, Yeah, I feel like you join the Facebook group. And then I, like, abandoned it. <laughs> right, and I failed to moderate it entirely. I have been updating things on Twitter, but um, I guess I'm still not really... I'm just not good at it. I apologize. I'm bad at social media, too. I don't know what else to do. We should hire someone. Is there someone that can do this for us? Yeah. Do we have podcast money? <laughs> do we have any? Send us your resumes. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into this movie. Okay. So, Psycho. I've been wanting to do this one for a while. First of all, I'm, I mean, 
what is your uh, background with Psycho? I know we have we ever watched it before. I don't think so, but I mean, I don't know if we watched it together. But you're a big fan, right? Yes, okay. I've seen it a lot. Okay, good, good. Because like lot. Psycho and The Birds and Vertigo and North by Northwest were a lot of the ones that I watched with my dad, or we would just watch watch every oh, okay. now and then with my family. You know, I think I remember um, when Elise was born. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> my dad came over and I think we watched, I think he spent the day watching North by Northwest and then we watched Iron Man that night. And so it was always, that was always, a, we're kind of around. And I think your dad actually recommended that we do this, didn't he? Probably. The the now classic John Neal episode, he, he gave us a list of movies to do. The Exorcist being one, which, you know, someday. Yeah, we'll get there. Uh, and I think Psycho was the other one. Maybe even Night of Living Dead. Yes, I think he did say. So we're basically just crossing off John Neal's list at this point. (laughs) But he would have been. So he he talked about The Exorcist and seeing that in high school. But he would have been a lot younger for this. And I mean, the whole time I'm watching it, and and this is just one of my favorite thought experiments. Like, kind of when I watch like the first Star Wars, I think, like, what would this be like? Star Wars. That's something that we should drink to every time. Drink. Do I really mention Star Wars? Yes, I do not. You do too. Drink. But, but my thinking is, like, when I watch original Star Wars, one of my favorite thought experiments is, like, I can't imagine having never seen this before, and it's 1977, and the big screen, and oh, like, what yeah. that's like, you know. Oh, by the way, we, we went and saw the last Star Wars I, movie. I saw your, your tweets about it. Yeah. I loved it. And then I gave Brian my, the, my ranking of the Star Wars movies. Yeah. <laughs> Was it bonkers? <laughs> I think he said, after I told him, he was like, well, that's unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought at first I was just like, "Do you are you sad you married me?" And he was like, "No, I just pity you." So I said my my favorite was Force Awakens. Okay. Then Rise of Skywalker. Oh, Rise of Skywalker. Then oh wait, so Force Awakens. Okay, well yeah, blasphemy, but good. Okay, Force Awakens, Rise of Skywalker. Is this just like an order of Adam Driver like hotness? Or- <laughs> <No>. <laughs> then um, Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> And then, then Brian pushed you out of the car. <laughs> <laughs> then the first Star Wars. Okay. Then the one with the Ewoks. <laughs> and is this how you described it, Brian? Yeah. <laughs> then the Empire Strikes Back. Right. And then the Down right. near the bottom of the list, of course. <laughs> and then The Last Jedi. Okay. That was my least favorite. And he just patted me on the head. <laughs> I sidebar. Was, I was very, yes, yeah, Star Wars sidebar. Um, but I was really disappointed in the new one. And I think it depends on, like, like everyone I talk to that's, like, you know, just sort of, like, a normal person that doesn't invest a lot of time thinking about Star Wars, they all love it. But people like me that are probably insane that... Like, but Brian is the same way, and he, he liked it? it. Yeah. I mean, I liked it okay, but, like, I just, I think about it, and I just get upset. Like, you know, there's, I just thought so many of the story decisions were very lazy, and I hated the whole Emperor thing. Uh, I mean, he's, like, my favorite character, and they bring him back for, like, no apparent reason, don't explain it, and he, like, hangs on a hook and, like... Mm, that's creepy though it was creepy but it's like that could be anybody don't don't do that to my guy you know give him some good dialogue make him funny like he's such an interesting character from all the other movies even the prequels he was like the best character um and then i just thought it i just felt like you know some it felt like fan fiction i know people have said that online but it's like someone oh oh wait then then clone wars and oh, then going. <laughs> i forgot and then the the first the Phantom Menace, probably. Yes. Yeah. Well, so I haven't really ranked them, but this would be kind of near. I mean, I don't. I will never hate a Star Wars movie. It's impossible for me. But this would be like probably near the bottom for me. I just didn't. Oh, okay. Uh, I just. I was just. You know, was a little sad about it. Aww. Mostly because I just felt. You know, they took all these easy shortcuts, 
Like, even their prequels, as misguided as fucked up as they are, he was taking big swings. <laughs> yeah, he sure <laughs> was. Yeah, and I admire that. Like, you know, just go for it. Put in a fucking Jar Jar. Why not? <laughs> Um, you know, Kill he, all those children. Yeah, he was at least trying to be different. Whereas this is just like, you know, what are those storage people like? You, you like the um, stormtroopers, <laughs> right? You like the emperor? We'll not do anything with them, but we'll, you know, put him in the in Senley's, like, you know, her grandfather. I just oh yeah, makes no sense. Okay, not even explain. Okay, um, all right. But so psycho. there are things I like. But then they also say, hey, remember the Death Star? We're going to do that again. Oh, <laughs> you sure like that? Who's what emperor? Right, yeah, yeah, he's the bad guy because right was well, not even bothered to write that. God, so at some point we'll talk about Psycho. <laughs> okay, okay, so it, Psycho clearly has one of the best intros, right? Yes. I mean, it's yeah. already exciting. You're like, oh, you're already on the edge of your seat. Are you talking about the like musical intro? Yes, with just the lines going across and yeah. the words coming up. I mean, it's wonderful. And that's uh, Bernard Herrmann mm-hmm. who does uh, I think most of. Well, this may have been his first movie with Hitchcock, but he did like North by Northwest and other ones. Oh, well, tech- those came before. Oh, they did? Okay, yeah, just cool. a little bit. Like, Well, I mean, he started like in the 20s and 30s. Oh, I know I did. Okay. See, I get, I get confused by the black and white thing. I forget that it's black and white because he chose that. Yes, so that um, way he could, wouldn't have to have the blood. Yeah, and it was apparently just much cheaper. Uh, but yeah, so Bernard Herrmann did that. He, but he did, did like Taxi Driver years later. Oh, he did okay. He did a lot of things. But mm-hmm. I think people used him because he was so associated with you know the Hitchcock things. But mm-hmm. this is like one easily one of the you know, obviously best scores oh, of all time. Yeah. Like for sure. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, the opening, it, it, does, it does get me excited. Uh, well, and again, I'm going to mention this podcast I've mentioned a few times, which okay. is Inside Psycho. Inside no, Chris. Exorcist. No, okay. Okay. Look, started out, I'm reaching to you. Uh, started out the like first. Kylo Ren. The, first, <laughs> <laughs> the first series was Inside the Exorcist. Right. Second series was Inside Psycho. Okay. Guess what the one that came out in the summer is that I haven't listened to yet? Inside Midsummer? Inside Star Wars. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. I haven't listened to it yet. It's going to be great because the other two were great. I'm going to listen to that like a couple years ago, so I don't remember all the factoids, but I also will save it for people who want to listen to it because it's so good. Well, see, I didn't even know there was Inside Psycho. I knew about Inside Psycho. I told you it a couple times. Well, agree, disagree. <laughs> but it's wonderful. I told you, because like one of the stories he tells is like Hitchcock actually had nightmares. He really, really wanted to win the Oscar for this. He thought this is for sure what he's going to win the Oscar for. And he would have nightmares. He was at the Oscars, and he won, and he would go up to accept his Oscar. And in the audience, all the audience members would be the dead mother. Oh, wow. Yeah. This is after he did the movie? I think it was during. That's kind of heavy. Yeah, it's pretty cool, though. So why is uh, Janet Lee's name last? Well, I, I was thinking about that because I was waiting for it. But she gets the and credit. Right. Which, by listening to Blank Check, apparently that means like you're not quite like the main character, but you get like a special designation. So it's and whoever. And that actually means you get a certain... It's, like, it's actually a good... Billing. Well, yeah, because it's usually like someone like Samuel Jackson right. or someone who's not in it. But I didn't also know if that was like kind of like a foreshadowing thing. Maybe, yeah. I think it just means that like she was like you know they probably wouldn't pay her a ton of money because she's not the main star, but she. But she is one of the bigger stars that was on the movie. Oh, I suppose so. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, if they're truly wanting to fake out the audience that she's not the main star. All I the guess way they did the same thing with Scream and Drew Barrymore. Oh, yeah, yeah. Which I mean, obviously they took so much from other movies so right they know that but and it's interesting that we like like again last time we talked about night of the living dead which came out in 68 and was filmed for nothing 
and remember we talked about how they're even on 4k or doesn't even matter it still looks crappy because right. i mean the money and also that was the first direct first time director and then when you watch this movie in 1960 still in black and white and like every shot is beautiful uh, right I was, I was like where is she going with this because <laughs> yeah i think it was perfect I mean, every I, shot looks like an oil painting yeah. like you could take any frame from psycho and frame that and put it on your wall right yeah i mean like the way the shadows work uh, i mean oh like, yeah I mean, this was uh, in black and white, like you said, because largely he was worried about the blood. Mm-hmm. Apparently, you know, I was just doing some um, deep dive Wikipedia while we were setting up. And, uh, you know, the studio was not, um, which was Paramount Studios. They were not particularly thrilled that he wanted to do this. They thought it would lose money. Mm-hmm. And um, and you probably know all this because you've listened to your uh, Precious podcast. But yeah, but I haven't listened to it. And it's been a oh, while. Okay, good. It's been a while. Well, they thought I was gonna <laughs> <laughs> Drink. Um, <laughs> So they thought it was going to be this big uh, loser, and they were, but it's Alfred Hitchcock, so like, fine, fucking do it. And mm-hmm. it wasn't going to be this big budget anyway, but he thought of, he was thinking of all these ways he could do to make it profitable. So in addition to not having a lot of blood, it was just simply cheaper to do it black and white. And also that lent itself to the casting, like you, know, like you said, that all these people were kind of like TV stars from the time, not movie stars. Mm-hmm. Maybe not Janet Lee, but Anthony Perkins and all those people. There are people that would, you know, maybe show up on Alfred Hitchcock's Presents more than one of his movies. But yeah. he's doing all I mean, Lila Crane had been in a lot. But he was doing all this because this was almost like a little pet project. And the yeah. studio was, like, not happy with it. But they are like, well, you know, we want to keep this guy happy. Well, and also it was, it seemed from listening to the podcast that, it was, I mean, it was a passion project for him. He was very obsessed with it. He right. made He made, like, an assistant go and buy as many issues of Robert Block's book as that right, he could. right. Um, it was one of the so it was people the, wouldn't find out about the the yeah. twist or and it was one of the first movies where you were not allowed in after ten minutes, which is crazy, yeah. And all so, the marketing had to be very specific, and he didn't want to release any details at all. So I haven't. I mean, which let me tell you real quick because I just saw the trailer. Have you seen the trailer for the new movie with Elizabeth Moss called Invisible Man? Yes, it, it shows like the whole, shows the whole fucking movie. trailer. I, mean, I guess it shows the whole movie. Yeah, but I mean, how cool would that be if you went into the movie? Not that it may not, not that it's on the level of Psycho, yeah. but wouldn't that be cool? You went in the movie, you think it's a ghost story, then you find out that he's actually the Invisible Man. By the way, this is all in the trailer. It's not a spoiler. Right. And that was just like that made me livid, and I was like, well, now I don't want to see it on principle. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think livid is the word that <laughs> came to mind. <laughs> I remember feeling after like exhausted after I watched the trailer and feeling like I watched yeah, the whole movie. Yeah, I watched the whole movie in three minutes. Thank you. So I, I love any scenes of like from the sixties, the fifties, the sixties when they show like an overview shot of the city. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you have. Um, I mean, it's kind. It's not quite a zoom shot. I, I will say, you know, I saw the remake by Gus Van Sant in the theater. I was that excited about it, and mm-hmm. that's like a whole other conversation. Um, interesting failure, put it that way. Okay. But I wonder if his idea was like. It's almost like him saying that a shot-for-shot remake is... Like, you can't approach Hitchcock's genius even if you try and literally do the same things. Because it, it just shows how... He just scratches the surface of all that stuff. Like, yeah, it's the same shot, but it's like... It just... Everything is, like, not right in that movie. By contrast, showing how brilliant the original version is. So, yeah, so in the remake, he does an unbroken shot. And it's and my point is, like, it's somehow still not as effective as a shot that Hitchcock does. Which is not quite a linear unbroken shot although he had done that in a rope you know i don't know if you've seen rope yeah i haven't seen that in a long time um it's good but um but it's still effective and weird and you're kind of wondering well how did he do that like when it breaks from the outside the window to into the window mm-hmm. and you kind of know intellectually well it's just it probably cuts when it kind of gets dark and 
mm-hmm. start shooting again. But it didn't really look like it. It's pretty neat. Whereas in the new version, or I don't know, twenty year old version, uh, you know it well. It's you know computers or whatever, right. and it's just less interesting. And it's in color, and it's not creepy. Um, so I love that shot. And you're right; it's absolutely cool. And then, and then there's also this uh, the way he does it is like this idea that you're already like a voyeur, you know, watching. Oh all this. yeah, what is a Hitchcock's thing with like voyeurism, and is that just something he's interested in, or you think that's something that he practiced? <laughs> kind of reminds me of that. Remember that? Do you remember that documentary that was on Netflix about the guy who lived above the hotel for so many years and spied on everybody? I don't think I saw it. I think you told me about it, but I don't think I saw it. Yeah, it was pretty creepy. Um, I don't know. Hitchcock's a weird dude. But <laughs> I don't know. I'm not a Hitchcock scholar. I, I know enough to know that he had issues with women, yes. specifically blind women. Yes. And, um, but yeah, so we're intruding on this sort of uh, bedroom scene. and It's I'm, a steamy scene. It's a steamy scene. Most people probably know this was like the first time you saw, was it a woman in a bra? Right. And also and, like women, like them in bed? Yeah. I mean, the, I mean, the way I thought about it was this is the first i think you know un- and i also have some sort of strange times square porn or something but like the first like unambiguous sex scene or i guess post sex they scene. clearly just had sex yeah They're, yeah because in a movie before that they'd be like in separate beds or yes. they, they would have been you know i don't know making out maybe or hugging yes <laughs> well, they, they do those weird passionate kisses right, right where it's like that's not sexy <laughs> yeah. um and uh so we're introduced to um Marion and then a uh, Sam Loomis who I mean thirst trap oh my god <laughs> I, I went on a google shirt search of p- images of him my god like this is this gets right at like I, I guarantee you that when um the guys that did Mad Men were like we want a hot 60s guy and I guarantee they thought Sam Loomis how can we like kind of recreate that because he's like just that type you know like that sort of old school kind of man's man but not like in a cowboy way but like yeah just uh, unambiguously just just man (laughs) (laughs) like and gently i i just completely get it i'm sorry and then i love the idea that like so i see him i think okay he must be some you know again don draper type and and then then they make this big deal like oh he works at a hardware store (laughs) yeah he's poor and so they neither one of them so he's divorced and he's saying that he has to give so much money to alimony, and right. she's single. Right. But so why is it a secret? I know. Yeah. So they're 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 presenting. I guess because they're having sex before marriage. I think so. They're presenting it as an affair, and so you're thinking like, okay, well, what's? But you're right. They're not married. Either of them. He's divorced. They're but they're not married. But they want right. to get married. But he. So is I think doing that thing. I think that's the thing because it seems to me that Lila later, who we meet, her sister, and they kind of mention this. She's afraid of how it'll look to her family. So my thought is, and I don't think it's, maybe it's more explained in the book, is that she has some sort of slightly greater status than him, and maybe him being a divorcee in the 60s is bad. Oh, yeah. So it's not necessarily that they're, like, just, you know, hooking up and having sex, which I thought, well, that's kind of weird, because surely people just did that. Well, yeah, because she, she makes some weird comment about, like, oh, yeah, sure, why don't you just come over and I'll make dinner? Right. Uh, that'll be and compl- my sister will. Yeah, that'll be fine, yeah. you know? So I think it's the fact that he's divorced and he's he works in a hardware store and that's like you know somehow i mean she's a secretary but then again she's not as a woman supposed to be working at the time anyway yeah, right. <laughs> so i mean i think that's kind of because when you meet lila she does seem like slightly more proper i mean i hate to say that like kind of stuffy a little bit yeah. prim whereas Jan lee you know she's you know introduced in the bra <laughs> yes and then um, she's taking money and getting right, the fuck just out of getting there it, yeah uh so i think that must be what it is and also that said he is Again, a snack, as you would say. <laughs> yes. 
So I, I love. I think that's fascinating. I just I love that because now you. I mean, I, and again in the remake, and I love. I mean, I was compared these a couple of times. Like, you know, the remake is Viggo Mortensen that plays him, and I don't know what the. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and I'm not sure what the dynamic is there because it only kind of makes sense in the '60s, so that would be like the right. sort of frowned upon thing. Unless, yeah. Right. But I love the girl she works with. How much fun is she with her tranquilizers? <laughs> She's like, did you want a tranquilizer? And then it was, it's, uh, okay, yeah, so she goes back to work. She's worried about being late because, she, because she's fucking so much. She's late yeah. to work all the time, which is great. And um, Late again. <laughs> <laughs> and so her boss is a banker, and he brings in this creepy well, Texan. Well, he's, he's a real estate guy. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, and he brings in the creepy Texan. He's buying some property or something, yeah. He gives her... Forty thousand dollars in cash for yes. a house. He's trying to impress her, and also, and I looked that up, and that would be. <sighs> I did the same thing. <laughs> we're so basic. It would be three hundred forty-seven thousand dollars. Well, because they were so freaked out about it, and I was like, "Well, it must be a big amount of money." How I mean, I would love it? to have forty thousand dollars in cash laying around, but yeah, that's obviously it's it's a large amount. I think it's a little weird that this small office has two secretaries, but whatever. <laughs> well, I guess I need people to make the copies of the deeds and all that kind of stuff. Have you seen how busy the office is? They're just sitting there. <laughs> she could do all that work. Well, she's out getting fucked. So. <laughs> uh, Good for know. her. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, $341,000. So that's obviously very tempting because they just had this conversation uh, in the you know this, this sex palace <laughs> that uh, he has a lot of alimony to pay and she's worried about being respectable. You know, she has that great line about, what does she say? You make, you make respectability sound positively unrespectable or something like that. Mm. And he's worried about that. And so she has this sort of half-baked idea that if she gets enough money that she can kind of fix all this. He can pay off her alimony, and then he can have... Can you pay off alimony, though? Yeah, a good point. Well, he can have enough money to be the respectable person that she can be with. Right? Yeah, she's not clearly not thinking, though. Yeah, as she steals money and speeds off from the stage. She's just thinking, <laughs> that guy was so hot. Oh, right. my gosh. He do, he looks less hot when he's little, in his little hardware uniform later, but uh, either way. <laughs> well, I like that it's not it's not life or death. It's not like she has to steal the money to right. get the cancer treatment for her child. It's just like, I'm going to take this. Yeah. And This guy was an asshole to me. Yeah. He just flirted with me. Um, he clearly doesn't care about he got enough money yeah. if he's just throwing around this amount of money so you know why not yeah Marion's a, a great character as I think about it um, well, I also like so she says that she has a headache she's gonna take us to the bank a and minor home. headache I have to go home they're like sure and I'll be in bed all weekend <laughs> <laughs> that's a great place to worry I gotta still <laughs> <laughs> but then he sees her out and she's like oh shit yeah, that, and that was also- like the catalyst for her to like get the fuck out of Dodge which is kind of funny. Like again, it wasn't like a big thing that happened. She was just worried. I'm gonna get in trouble at work. I already got this money. Yeah. I'm, she's kind of maybe on the fence thinking about it, and then she thinks, "Well, I'm gonna get in trouble at work anyway. Let's just keep driving." Oh, I didn't think about it that way. I just thought that that's like kind of one of the scariest parts of the movie when she gets caught by her boss. You know, because that's such a relatable fear. Like maybe oh, not yeah. that I do this, <laughs> but like you know that maybe you leave work early and like, well, what if I get seen by my coworker at like Wendy's? <laughs> Um, but when he sees it's just so scary to me and that's so well done and also I think Alfred Hitchcock walks by one of the shots before that which is kind of funny oh yeah what you said he um, did his cameo early so people that would be looking for it would see it and then not think about the rest of the movie and get distracted looking for him and just focus on the plot because hmm. apparently he usually appears like kind of towards the end of the movies 
Well, and also I like that it's because in a lot of the movies that are like this where someone steals a bunch of cash, it's either usually from like drug dealers or they just find it from a bank robbery or something. But this is just, she knows where it came from. Yeah. It belongs to somebody. Well, and she still is just like, I'm going to take this. Yeah, but he kind of he kind of implanted the idea in her head because he's, he's talking about buying off on happiness. Yeah. And he may as well be just saying, take this money. Because you know, he's, I'm, oh, by the way, I'm leaving all the cash. And they're like, well, do you want to leave a check? He's like, nope. Yeah. Uh, so I think she just feels kind of entitled to it. And I love how you know she starts off you know very jittery and i mean as you would but by the end of it you know there's that great scene where she's um you know skipping ahead a little bit but by the time she's approaching the hotel she has a smile on her face and she's like yeah but she does not play it cool with the cop she's no a bit but, of a mess. but once she gets past that i'm talking about when yeah. she's kind of re- re- you know she's replaying all the things in her head and yeah. she's like imagine people are saying about her and they're yeah. all saying like in her head like can you believe she did that and she's kind of just smiling just like yeah, yeah. fuck you guys yeah, yeah i did it and that's cool, you know. They're you know just you know. I'm not saying this is admirable behavior, but but if you're gonna, um, I mean, may as well go for it. You know, I, I like that they're, you know, she's not this sort of weak character. That's you know, no, she's she's a badass. Yeah, even and, though she's what she's doing is wrong. Right, but, but still, the, and then but then then when she eventually decides to you know I guess you know reverse course, she owns that too. You know, and you know, it's always just completely her decision. There's no sense that she's being like you know manipulated or necessarily even doing this for him she's doing it for herself and she's owning her decisions and it's just kind of cool to watch mm-hmm. whether she's happy or sad about it it's just all her mm-hmm. which i think that's a bit unusual for the for the time you know yeah so go marion crane so we she stand. switches cars <laughs> hastily yeah right in front of the cop yeah just wait for him to leave but yeah i mean doesn't that defeat the whole purpose that's what i said so i think so she she was looking at the license plates so she was yeah. obviously new she needed to switch license plates right but then she does it right in front of the cop, who was just gonna can just follow her and know what car she's in now. So here's what I think: she starts buying the car before she sees the cop, but then she sees the cop, you know, just staring at her. <laughs> and then she goes, "Well, I can't pretend that I wasn't gonna buy the car. So I might as well just go through with it." Well, she it, could have played it cool and be like, "You know what? I'm gonna look around some more." Or yeah. instead of being like, can "We just kind of give you the money. Can we go? Can we go? Can we do this? Can we do this?" Yeah, and speeds off. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she sped off with all of her suitcases. Yeah, that cop is uh, the when it, when he first shows up, you know, when she's you know falling asleep on the side of the road for some reason, and that's a pretty scary scene. He presents her. I mean, Hitchcock presents this cop as like this sort of you know the way that his face like just appears in the camera, like through the window, mm-hmm. and just 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 his face like this sort of nightmare authority figure. Mm-hmm. And you know, to Marion's point of view, that'd be like exactly what she's most afraid of at that point. So it just kind of shows what a great psychological director he is. Like, yeah. He's, well, so she finds Bates Motel, which yeah. is interesting. Like the cop, when he wakes her up, he says to her, well, there's tons of motels around here. So when you think about that and the fact that she happened to choose this one. Yeah, can we, can we back up just a bit? Because yes. I, I have something to say about the used car salesman. Okay. <laughs> oh, gosh. I hate when he walks up to her and like old guys do that. Like they'll say stuff like yeah. some shit like that to throw you off. Right. And then they think they're so clever. But, but so you're I, the one that said crazy shit. Anyway, go ahead. But so I think that's kind of what's going on here a little bit. So here's like, again, I, when I watch this, I'm thinking about what do this audience, what does the audience expect when they first see this? Knowing that they kept the whole plot secret and all this. And there's nothing to indicate that it's going to be a movie about a murderous motel keeper <laughs> by the first 20 minutes of it. Or right. first 40 minutes of yeah. it, whatever it is. So I think she's in it about till about forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, I mean, I clocked it. I'll check. But um, so the first twenty or thirty minutes is her going through all these obstacles to you know 
to escape this money. And so when she meets the, the um, used car salesman, this is kind of one of the first or second of her obstacles. And it's this sort of transactional thing that she has to deal with. She has to like, you know, she meets a guy and he's kind of creepy to her and like being a little kind of sing to her. And she's like, okay, I just have to get past this. Say your weird bullshit. I'm going to give you some cash. And I, I'm just, you're basically an obstacle in my way so I can escape from my past and this cop. And, yeah. and the cop's actually kind of an extension of that too, but it's, so I think that's supposed to be like a, a precursor to when you meet Norman at the base motel for the first time. That's kind of what is maybe on your mind. Like, okay, well, here's just another fucking, some more bullshit she has to deal with. This another weird character, and she's going to like maybe go through some minor grievances with him and pay him off and then continue on her journey. It's going to be another weird character she meets that she's going to have to kind of deal with, pay off, and, and then she'll be on her way and it'll be like some more kind of crime thriller type thing right. with her. Yeah. And yeah. which is why it's all the more crazier when it just takes this radical shift. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I just don't think that you can really appreciate not not you, Kristen, but like, you know, the <laughs> audience in today's time, how yeah. crazy that movie is. Yes. And specifically that that shift. I mean yes. like uh I mean people talk about say the usual suspects like that, but yeah, fuck that. But like yeah. That's right. But Norman doesn't quite. I'm already defending Norman by comparison. But to Norman the is a young guy. Yeah. He's not trying to sell her on anything. Right. He not really. is insane. <laughs> He's insane. He sure is. But there's a surface level to him that you can, you know, like the early conversations, you can buy. Like, well, he's actually presenting his authentic self and trying to. And I, I have a hot take. True, man. <laughs> I've been watching a lot of ER. Okay, I'm sorry. Can I take a sip? Yeah, tell me a drink. Okay, drink. Yeah, you don't have to drink. I have to drink. Oh, oh that's not how it goes with it. <laughs> Is that Anthony Perkins plays Norman Bates the same way that Noah Wiley plays John Carter. They're both like kind of socially awkward. They kind of emphasize things that they shouldn't. They're both, they look alike. They, they have similar stature. Like, yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you. We're going to watch a little bit of ER later and then watch Anthony Perkins' performance and you're going to be like, you're a genius. That's really funny. But I yeah. doubt when they cast Noah Wiley, they're thinking, and Aaron Perkins is psycho. <laughs> Go for it. But you never know. And we and we forgot to say, um, hashtag gay icon Anthony Perkins. Just throwing that out Oh, there. is he? Yes. He's one of the first. Like, is he know. gay? Yes, he, he was gay. Oh, I didn't know that. He was with James Dean. I don't know anything. He was a big, uh, well, I mean, years later, this, you know, back in the industry well, I, knew at the time, but he was oh. one of the um, main sort of 50s kind of, gay stars that sort of broke barriers not that people like you and me would know that back then but nowadays it's, it's well known I mean when you see Norman Bates he is a little awkward he's young um, you kind of feel like at first you kind of I find him a little creepy but then I think you kind of feel what Marion feels right so at first yeah. she's a little like eh and then she's like oh this is a cute little boy whose mom's a yeah, piece I mean, of shit yeah definitely a, a slightly another level than the used car salesman but not much more so at first wait I don't realize how young he looks right he sure does yeah. especially when they, they show a there's a cut from her standing at the her hotel door like saying once you come in here and she seems like just so mature and well, then part, you part cut back to voice, him. You know, why yeah. is she coming here? <laughs> and then <laughs> you cut back to him, and he just looks like a little boy. And he's like, um. He plays it so good. He's so good. Did he win yeah. the Oscar? I don't know. I don't know. That's a good question. Mm. We'll never know. We'll never know. <laughs> Drink. <laughs> What's so so then? actually, I was wrong. The base motel is 27 minutes into the movie. So you have a good. We'll say thirty minutes until you get to the 
what becomes the main yeah. the main plot. Marion drives up. She just has that great scene uh, where she's in the car. And like I said, she's starting to feel better about her decision to steal all this fucking money. <laughs> and she drives to the car, but it's raining, so she should have stopped somewhere. She stops the motel, and there's that great scene where she sees a woman figure right. in the window. Which even now, you know, 100 years later, <laughs> no one would know. Uh, it's still pretty creepy, don't you think? Yeah. It's just creepy. Also, it kind of looked like she was almost pregnant. Like, I, I don't know. She kind of walks by... And she just kind of looks, I don't know, it makes her look more maternal, I guess. Something about the sound effect of the rain, and she's looking at it through a car window, and it's silent, and it it just, I don't know, everything about that is just disturbing to me. Especially when you know, kind of what you know, that it's him, and he's just being crazy (laughs) all by himself. (laughs) (laughs) He's just being crazy. And I guess even further, you know that his mom's body is right behind him in bed. Okay, so then Norman Bates asks her up to eat in the house but then he goes up there and you hear the loud fight between him and his mother right right. or she hears it out the window yeah i always kind of wonder how that works it's pretty loud yeah (laughs) maybe they had a loudspeaker on by accident because it doesn't sound like they're really yelling that much but she can still hear them but anyway it's fine it's in the 60s it's fine um so then he brings it down to her is she like teasing him a little bit like do you want to come into my room or is she just being like genuinely it depends on whether you think to me it reads as which does she think is less creepy him coming into her room or she has to go to wherever the fuck he's taking her <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's kind of what she lands on it's like well maybe she feels like she has a little more control if she it's in her I room think, I think so yeah I'll then really, she can maybe ask him to leave yeah which and again. then I love the line eating in an office it's just too officious <laughs> right <laughs> and um, this like this whole scene has some of the most classic lines yeah this is probably the in a way the central uh, the centerpiece of the movie in a way because you have the a the the way it's staged all those sort of birds mm-hmm, on the, the, the corners and so he's she does comment on the birds and he says that he does stuff them himself yeah she notices it and a man should have a hobby apparently <laughs> but then he says oh right but it's more than a hobby and then she's like, oh, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, I know. And that is such that conversation. Like, you're at a bar and you meet someone and they instantly start talking about, like, their stamp collection or something. Right. And you're like, how do I back out of this? But she plays it. She does. She's very sweet. She's I think also she's talking to him like he's a young boy or, you know. Right. Because he also says, after he says, you know, a boy's best friend is his mother, which is a very famous line. Yeah. She's probably just like, oh. Like, not in, like in a... Like in a, that's so sweet, but like in a, oh no, sort of way, but doesn't feel like... You think she's like, like less threatened because yes. of that? Okay. Oh, that's, I hadn't thought about that way. See, I thought, and maybe it's just because I've seen this movie, you know, a dozen times that you, my red flags would be <laughs> over the place. I think it's but, also because she drops her guard yeah. and lets him know that she she messed up in Phoenix and she's going back. She is telling him the truth. So I think she kind of feels like comfortable with him. Yeah, and but you know the more he talks about his mother, like she makes like it's all going great until she mentions that well maybe your mother needs to be put someplace. Yeah, and then, but then he, I mean, I think that that's it wasn't he didn't get too upset where it was uncomfortable because then he kind of came back and said, well I have thought of that, but it's hard, and she kind of seemed to understand that. Yeah, I, I think things got a little, little uncomfortable. It did get uncomfortable, yeah. but she handled it well. And because he does kind of you know. What does he say? You know, people are always trying to say people should be put someplace. Like, he picks yeah. right up on that. And, um, of course, that's when the... Um, is that when he says, you know, we all go a little mad sometimes? Yeah. I guess it's kind of when he's apologizing a little bit. Well, yeah. She's like... He's like, but, you know, she just goes a little mad sometimes. We all go a little mad sometimes, right? And she's yeah. just like, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is great. Well, but you know the sort of tagline of the movie in a way, which or the, at least what we know now, she uses that as like almost inspiration. Like, okay, well, I, I mean, I went mad too. That's right. Yeah. So like, she's like, she knows that she can just go back and maybe fix it. Yeah. So I mean, Norman Bates is you know clearly like you know an influential figure in her life. You know, and he should get all due respect. And and also, I think she feels comfortable with him because she says her real name. When she's going to bed, yeah. he's, she says Miss Crane, and then she checks the thing that right. she had signed in as Marie Samuels. Yeah, I, guess I also noticed Sam, yeah. that the name above it is Michael Scott. <laughs> really? Yeah. So then we have um, the peephole scene, mm-hmm. which, which was a little uncomfortable. And then you kind of yeah. realize, and I kind of back on the other side of, okay, this is a creep. Yeah. So it's suggested, and I hate to be uncouth, but it's suggested that he is, you know, pleasuring himself. What? It's, it's that's you Google it. That's the implication. I will say in the remake, it is explicit that he's, um, which is one of the unfortunate decisions of that movie. But it seems like he's so calm, and he just. I, I think that's what they can get away with in 1960. There is a, a slight movement to his head that you kind of think, well. <laughs> um, in, the, in the remake, it's almost comical because there's all these noises. Oh, God. <laughs> and it's Vince Vaughn, and it's like, what is happening? His big old head. I know, yeah. It's just like bobbing back and forth. And, um, <laughs> Or he's supposed to be creeped out by him, and now he's looking through the peephole, but then he kind of slides the peephole back, and I guess you're thinking, okay, at worst, he's a bit of a peeping Tom, but I don't but know. But back then, that was okay. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, I think it was definitely more as a, as a joke. Yeah, boys like, will be boys type yeah. of thing, yeah. And he, you know, he does slide it back and kind of, before she, I guess, completely oh, disrobed. yeah, I guess. Um, so, but then she, he murders her. But. <laughs> well, before that, yeah. <laughs> She tears up this, she writes, she's doing math, I don't know, and then she tears up the pieces of paper and throws them away. Did you know this is the first time a movie had, you're you're getting excited. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Go ahead, you tell it. No, well, you know, you were going to say so well. Well, This is the first time that a toilet had been on screen. Yeah, that's so amazing. And that had to pass, like, the FDA, or not the FDA. (laughs) (laughs) That'd be weird. (laughs) Some sort of censorship code, yeah. Yeah, it probably wasn't the one that came along later no, I don't but think whatever they had I did notice when I put it on maybe it was like just you think it was just the um, whatever production company was doing it maybe, just had yeah. to pass them well there was some sort of um, code that was in effect for a long time but I think that was maybe just you know not in effect by the time Psycho came along well I was thinking of that scene from The Aviator do you remember whenever yeah, he was trying to get right I think that's what yeah. I'm thinking of I think there was some sort of code in the 30s 40s where you just couldn't do a lot of things I do love that movie too um, I need to rewatch it um, well also apparently the shower scene was so traumatic for Janet Lee that she never took showers again. Uh, yeah, I did I did read that. She took baths for the rest of her life. Which is I mean that's that's I mean, shouldn't she get like hazard pay for that or something? Yeah. Well she said she didn't mind filming it, but it was when she watched it in a the theater that it bothered her so much, which is kind of interesting. Um They yeah, show so, they show a lot of skin for nineteen yeah. sixty, don't you think? They show a side boob. So let's talk about the shower scene. Still to me, is very shocking. It still scares me. Oh, it's still so scary. Yeah, you're so vulnerable in that moment. I suppose. I guess it's it also kind of like the Halloween music when that music yeah. comes on, like you're triggered already. Right, and the way that um they show it when I uh, I guess through the shower curtain you see the door open or the shadow of a door and mm-hmm. you see a figure, and again you're thinking 960 audience having never seen this before. I don't know what you think is coming. Like, do you think it's Norman Bates? Do you think it's the mother? I mean, surely you don't think it's a the mother. Maybe maybe you do. I don't know. But either way, when the the murder happens, it, it's you know even as sort of you know parodied and as it is, and you know everyone's seen it, I guess it's still to me maybe just in the context of the movie, it's still a very frightening scene. 
and you feel bad for her, of course, and yeah, uh, you kind of oddly feel bad for Norman. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I think about too at that point. You still don't think that it's Norman, right? You yeah. think it is his mother, and he's covering, right? Because then he runs up to the house and he yells, "Mother! Oh God! Blood! Blood!" <laughs> <laughs> and then you see him go back down and try it's to. It's funny start that actually did that. I guess he ran back, yelled that, <laughs> took off his wig, and <laughs> that's a lot of work. That's a, like a part-time job he's got there. Yeah, he's like, "Well, I work at the base motel. I have to be my mother half the time." I just I have a very full life. Have you seen the Base Motel show? I watched. I started it. Yeah. And I just wasn't. I didn't really love it. Right. I watched like, the first episode. And the kind of same thing. I kind of. I'm sure I would love it. Because that same it was the same year that Base Motel, the following, you know, with Kevin Bacon premiered. Yeah. And Hannibal. Oh. And I remember like the least excited I was was about Hannibal. I was thinking, why are they doing this? And it was just. Who knew? Who knew? Because <laughs> I started Base Motel. I probably watched about half the first season. Oh, okay. Following, I watched about half the first season. And just, you know, and then Hannibal, you know. You went full on insane. <gasps> Chris, I forgot I have a present for you. Oh, okay. Yeah, I feel like this happens halfway through every podcast. <laughs> Dream. Okay, you ready? <laughs> Close your eyes. Okay. Here you go. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know you don't. You don't have a lot of silly I don't stuff. I have any of them. Okay, I have like so many. That is awesome. Oh, that's so. Tell cool. them what it is. Oh, I'm sorry. It is a uh, pop. This isn't Funko. This Funko is a, Pop. Yeah. This is Funko Norman Bates uh, in his mother's outfit with a knife. Yes, and it's got blood on it. It says Psycho Four Sixty Six. If that means anything, I guess are they numbered? Are they all numbered? Yeah. Okay. Well, so yeah, so Norman Bates. Well, I'm sorry. Norman's mother kills Janet Lee. Right. And Norman comes and disposes of the body. He puts the body in the trunk. I mean, this is like, you're not thinking yeah, at this point, is she still alive? Or, I mean, he's she's dead. Right. This you're, is what I was confused by. So this, I clocked at 48 minutes into the movie. So the movie is an hour and 49 minutes. So Yeah, so there's about an hour left yeah, after that. And so I just, I mean, we've spent, invested a lot of time with her. Yeah. Nothing indicated that this is going to happen. Uh, I mean, it's kind of like that, you know, Monty Python line. No one expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> I just cannot freaking imagine how the original audience reacted when the shower scene happens. I just can't. Like, what is that like? Were people screaming? The doors were locked, apparently. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock was, like, pressing up against them <laughs> from the lobby. <laughs> um, so we have the um, the cleanup scene. You know, I think it's funny that he grabs a mop. <laughs> it's like the first thing he grabs, like, shit, gotta clean this up. <laughs> and the rest of the movie is him cleaning up this mess. So it's kind of funny that it's what the visual metaphor is and like just with a mop and that's kind of the rest of the movie he's like people coming towards him he's like sort of you know it's almost like Townsend is Ripley like where he's just trying to escape oh I love that movie like, I know it's on Netflix also by the way is it? yeah I saw it but yeah so the rest of the movie is effectively for the large part Norman's movie right? I mean don't you think? he's the main character now? yeah I mean I suppose in a way you're introduced to the sister but I mean honestly I mean she doesn't make much of an impression she doesn't have much she was pretty tough she was the one who was pushing sam and because sam was like do you want me to drop it back for the hotel and we're just going and she's like no i want to go back let's do this let's find her i guess maybe sam I'm just, would have just gone i don't know what would have happened you're, you're probably right I, yeah i guess i was just so i mean janet lee just so good in this thing that maybe anybody else you know they just seem diminished compared to her a little bit maybe that's what it is uh, and also anyone sitting next to sam i'm just like sam <laughs> <laughs> Why is he out of frame? Right. Uh, and I like that. Why is his guy. shirt on? Yeah. 
Um, that detective is really interesting too. You know, Arbery Goss or whatever his name yes, is. Yes, he shows up kind of in a similar scene to the cop. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very, okay. very same. But, so, but full on private dick mode. <laughs> Let's all talk about Marion. Right. <laughs> they all. Yeah. They all decide to go investigate. The private detective goes first. He figures things out. Yeah. Because all, Norman is also is, it's also like the opposite of what Marion was doing. Right. Now he's doing. Right, right. And he's not very good at it either. Yeah. And all this is about ostensibly the money that she stole. And so they're all very concerned about that. Yes, that's what's so interesting. Because Norman yes. Bates finds it, you know, and there's all this suspense that his shot builds up. It's like, is he going to find the money? It's on the, you know, on the nightstand of the newspaper. And you think he's not going to find it. And that's going to be like maybe the next big plot development. And then he sees it and he just throws it away. Yeah. <laughs> Does he put it in the car? Uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. He throws it in the car, uh, and then he you know, drowns it. But Yeah, I love that, that half the movie, they're all worried about, he must be in it for the money. Yeah, he, he must have found the money. It's like... He doesn't even know about it, yeah. He not care. Uh, so that, that is, that is kind of this weird off-centered joke to the whole thing. But we're back to Sam and Lila. <laughs> and here's that, yeah, so I don't know if I really picked all this until when I rewatched it last time, but so Lila and Sam have never met. They make a point of that when they mm-hmm. meet. And so there is that sort of tension. Like, so she sees him as like, you know, oh, you know, like the guy that she's having an affair with and kind of has her nose up to him a little bit, you know, and, and he's well, also he I mean, she assumes that he knows where she is. Right, right. But uh, but from her his point of view, he's just like, you know, to me, reads as just kind of intimidated and like it's like almost as if you're like meeting this person you're sleeping with spouse or something like, oh, God, I'm kind of in for it now. Yeah. Whereas, you know, she has this... So there's all that kind of going on, which is kind of a fun, you know, backstory. But they do realize they have to somehow work together right. to figure this out. Let's all talk about Marion, shall we? You already said that, but it makes me laugh. And so the private detective goes and finds Bates Motel. He goes and do, does some more investigating. Yeah. So I, I do love the scene with um, the detective, Arbo Gast, and Norman. Um, Norman does seem more at ease with male characters, if you notice. I mean, not, Interesting. Not completely, but he's not... A complete mess, like he is around <laughs> uh, Marion. Uh, so you know, Arbogast is on his game. He's uh, he asks to see you know the logbook that you know because Norman says, well, no one's been here for several weeks, and then he slips up and says, well, someone here's last that week. That all yeah. falls apart pretty quickly. Yeah, he's terrible. He's terrible. He would not. And he's hold. like, oh right, yes, I saw yeah. her. I would love to depose him. He'd be so bad. Um, <laughs> but so Arbogast has to see the logbook. He instantly sees is it uh, Marie Samuels? Mm-hmm. He figures out. Well, that's you know well. A, it was like two nights ago. <laughs> and you said you haven't seen anyone in weeks. And then there's that fantastic scene where, like, Norman's, uh, or Anthony Perkins' head, like, cranes over to look at the logbook and his kind of neck angles towards the camera. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-mm. His, his head, like, angles towards the camera to look at the logbook, like, over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so creepy. And he's, like, chewing on yeah. sunflower seeds or something. I thought it was gum. Gum or something. Yeah, I don't know. But it's, I don't know why, but it just. I mean, obviously, his shot shot that way. Yeah, and he is always chewing gum, which I think is kind of a juvenile thing, right? Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. It kind of shows a slight nervous tick, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also hints at this sort of voyeurism throughout the movie, like angling towards. I don't know. It's just it's creepy. I love it. And then he's like, "Oh yeah, I guess that woman. Oh, and I had dinner with her." And so, <laughs> obviously, Arbogast's uh, red flags show up, and this all leads him to going towards the house. Yeah, well, first he calls. Oh, yeah, he goes away, then comes back, he goes, yeah. Yeah, he, well, he calls Lila. Right. And lets her know what he found. And then he goes up to the house to interview the mother. Yeah, he's like, do you know this Norman Bates guy? Because <laughs> he is creepy. <laughs> and that still made me jump 
like when he gets to the top of the stairs yeah and the music starts and he comes out i mean well the mother the sure, mother yeah well that's a very, very famous scene of him falling backwards still and know the how camera they do that. following him what is that a do you know is that like an optical effect i can't figure out how they did that it looks i'm not sure real i mean i don't remember i don't know how they did the stairway scene it it bugs me but i think <laughs> because it's black and white maybe the effects aren't quite as obvious maybe it's like just a stage like a screen behind right, them they just kind of right. go like this you know i'm mimicking my arms moving back right. and forth it's a great great scene and then she runs down the stairs and stabs it a few more times yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or he does and then, so Lila, well, Sam, the whole time, I don't know why you think Lila's not more of a stronger character. Because the whole time, Sam is trying to talk her out of it. I bet he just found out and took the money. I bet yeah. he's lying to you. We should just stay here. And she's like, no, we need to go. We I need mean, to do this. I I'm going to go up to the house. I unfairly team Sam. I, I, I know. I feel that he, she's mean to him. <laughs> All he did was have an affair with her sister. And she thinks he stole his money. He has nothing to do with it. So I'm just like, and he's so handsome. <laughs> he's so handsome. But they go, they, so they go wake up the local sheriff. Right. Who is no help. Well, he tells her the whole, he tells them the whole backstory about Norman Bates. Which is wrong, but. Oh, well, it's it's more than information than they knew. Yes. Um, so he tells them that Norman Bates' mother, her name was Vera, right? Vera? I think so, yeah. Poisoned her lover and then herself. And well, it was the worst murder-suicide. Right, but he at least gets right that she's dead. Yes. And so that was new information. <laughs> yeah. That's mostly what I was thinking about. And then they, he keeps trying to make him think that he's crazy for thinking he saw someone in the window. But then Lila keeps putting together, no, Arbogast said yeah. he saw the mother too or something else there. But Sam is still like, I bet it was just my crazy imagination. But Lila pushes him to do it. Yeah. I mean, they go there like, you know, with a plan, which is cool. You know, and I guess it's Lila's plan. They go there. To, they're going to strike Norman. And one, of the, one or both of them is somehow going to, I guess one of them is going to get up to the house. They do seem a little more excited about the plan than they should be. Right. <laughs> like they're very... I mean, it works for yeah, the most part until it doesn't. But yeah. Yeah, so I like that. And then they get there, and one of my favorite kind of parts of the movie, in a way, is that when they... Norman, at that point, is kind of resigned. Like, he seems to kind of have figured them out instantly, because he's watching them from the blind. Well, and also, she looks just like her sister. He's... Right. <laughs> I mean... I didn't think about that. Yeah. <laughs> my name is Miriam... Crane. <laughs> um, it's Miriam Crone. Right. Don't mind me. Yeah. Um, but either way, he instantly clocks them. I think. I mean, that's the way. It I seems like it. he does. Um, and he's so the, that whole scene where he's like, you know, checking them in, and he's just kind of going through the motions. He doesn't give them the key, or what is he, he doesn't log them in. That's what right. he does, and he doesn't do all these other things. And he just whatever. Might as well catch me. <laughs> um, and I guess the idea is he just knows he's going to kill them. Like he does. He, oh, maybe. That's how I read it. He's just going through all these motions. If it comes to it. But then also, but at the end, the psychiatrist makes it clear that Norman did not know what the mother was doing. Interesting. Well, okay. Well, so subconsciously, he knew that she was going to kill them. How about that? Or maybe he thought he just has to appease them and they move on? Maybe. No, because the mother says, or no, he says to the mother, that guy came looking for her. Yeah. Now they're going to come looking for him. So he knows what's happening. I think so, yeah. Yes. Like, there's okay. no getting out of this. Yes. He just killed, or she just killed the PI, and now there's these people, and they, like you said, it looks just like her sister. Right. <laughs> um, they just happen to show up, and he, they get no visitors. I mean, come on, yeah. So that, that's and that's just a detail I never really picked up on before. The, so there's an amazing scene when he's fighting with her again, or Norman's fighting with his mom, and you oh, just yeah. are from the outside of the door and then it like pans up and then oh, there's an aerial right, view right, yeah. um, and then he 
actually carries a body out. So yeah. you're like, okay, that must be the mother. It's creepy. It is creepy. I but do wonder who's like. I mean, whose voice is that? Does that? Do you think that's really Anthony Perkins? Surely not. I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock. <laughs> <laughs> And then I think the title of the episode should be, You think I'm fruity, huh? <laughs> That's what he says. She says, No, I will not hide in the fruit cellar. You think I'm fruity, huh? <laughs> and then he goes and puts her down in the fruit cellar. Which, the, um, I mean, now that you mention that, the whole gay subtext of this movie is just, I'm not going to oh. go there. But, did I they mean, use the term fruity back then, you think? Yeah. I, I almost 100% sure they did, yeah. That's I mean, I think crazy. that's almost like a, vi- a vestige of the 50s and 60s of how people describe you. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. In the closet, the cellar, he's <gasps> dressing up as a mother. I mean, it's it's kind of all there. It would at least play on fears that people would have back then on gays. You know, they probably dress like their mothers, you know, that type of thing. Right. Uh, and, of course, you have the whole Anthony Perkins of it all. It's just, it's fascinating. I'm not going to, I don't have the time to get into that <laughs> But well, it's, Do you it's think rich, Hitchcock so- was trying to make a point? Because then at the end, he makes the psychiatrist differentiate between what a transvestite is and what he was doing yeah i don't know because i mean why would he go to the length well transvestites the the way the, the psychiatrist explains to me and what well, the way i understand a, the correct version of it versus transsexual is someone that just gets off on dressing up as a woman which is usually like actually straight people right i think eddie is art or something He's, oh yeah or i i always think of ed wood Okay, yeah. So that's how I read that scene. Is like he could still be saying Anthony or Norman Bates has more something else going on. I don't know. I don't. I have no idea what Hitchcock's possible intentions for that would be. I don't know. I know. Maybe just be more from the book. I don't know. But it's it's a rich text, and I'm sure many people smarter than I have done the queer analysis that that it deserves. <laughs> right. Um. I don't quite have it in me tonight. I'll immediately start reading about it, though. Also, speaking of you know gay subtext, I do like this idea that Anthony Perkins himself, uh, the scenes with him and Sam, when Sam's asking, I just think Anthony Perkins is falling in love with him. <laughs> right. But then... It's a very sexy scene, I don't know. It, well, then, like, later, he says, I mean, the psychiatrist says right to Lila's face, he was turned on or something, some term that was a little too much. He's like, he, he was turned on by your sister. Yeah. My dead sisters? Are you talking about? It's a little rude, but so like, he was obviously attracted to women, but maybe right, he's attracted right. to men too. Yeah, I, I just read it as just a general perversion on the psychiatrist sort of part. You know, he was sexualized, period, and that's kind of wrong somehow. He was turned on by her sister, and, that, so, and that's actually supposed to be like slander against the sister. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's all kind of there. Then Lila goes downstairs to hide from Norman. Yes, and then we didn't even talk about Norman Bates' bedroom, by the way. I mean, right. <laughs> so many stuffed animals. <laughs> we can move on. But man, yikes. Would love, to, again, say it again, would love to know what the audience, the original audience is thinking as she's approaching this figure that's, um, you know, I guess from behind, they just think, oh, well, there's her mother alive. Right. What's she going to say? <laughs> <laughs> and I just wonder, I mean, they, and, or do they figure it out? I don't know. Maybe they figured it out halfway through. Like, well, that's clearly one base, you know? I or maybe know. they think that she's about to attack her. Oh, I don't know. And she was. I mean, uh, something else that would be shocking was that the old invalid lady was the murderer. So maybe right. they're thinking that. They have no clue that she's dead. With yeah. Those hollow eyes. Yeah, I just don't. I, 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 I wish I could. Um, I'll try and find this out. But I would love to know what people originally thought was happening in this fucking thing. And then it's we, so fascinating. It, so she turns around and she happens to hit the light. Yeah. It starts swinging. It's cool. So that causes... That's always a good effect. I mean, my gosh. Yeah. It's so good. I'm going to just do those in there all the time in the <laughs> office. Oh, your little lanterns? Yeah. 
But Sam does come and save her. Of course she does. <laughs> I think she could have taken him, though. Should have been all right. The the, the um, Oh, when Norman Bates runs in. Yeah. He... I, I do think that the... But that is a crazy... It's so crazy. The yeah. look on his face. Yeah. So Also good. because you've never seen him make that type of face. I mean, yeah. it's just like completely... It's weird. <laughs> yeah. He's to him, he's completely unhinged. Yeah. Completely unhinged. It's scary. And do you exposed. think Sam and Lila end up together? Oh, I didn't think... I, I got no chemistry from them whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. um, so probably not. But in the sense that you would just expect that all couples get together at the end of movies, maybe, but... I never really thought about that. Yeah. Sam obviously went gay shortly after that. Right. He's just so very handsome. <laughs> um, and of course, and then there's the famous uh, last scene where he's psychoanalyzing. What do you think about that? Does that need to be explained, do you think? or Back then? Probably, yeah, yes. That's a good point, yeah. Now it kind of seems like, well, yeah, of course, but... Well, I mean, think about Sons of the Lambs. They're the same thing. Anthony Hopkins has to sit there and describe... That's true. But what it's is explained he doing? throughout the movie. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, that makes sense. It would be nowadays. He's trying to transform. Yeah. Nowadays, you would get crucified for making that scene. But you're right. I think you kind of have to have that to possibly explain to the audience what they just watched. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, it's this and this and this and this. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's all worth it for the kind of last scene where he's like, I wouldn't even hurt a fly. You know, that type oh of thing. Oh, my gosh. It's so creepy. Yeah. And he's still talking in his mom's voice. And then he looks up with that creepy, creepy face. Yeah. And I also just like this idea that, like, the cops hired a psychiatrist to, to explain <laughs> to the family what... <laughs> like, they just, you know, who, who's paying for this guy? I'm not really sure. <laughs> um, it's helpful, though. And that, that guy talks like like those typical, like, movies back then. Right. Well, let me explain to you yeah. how this works. Yeah, he's basically the narrator. Uh, similar to the psych guy from the, um, you know, the town that you Sundown. Well, that's Psycho. Five, uh, I'm not sure. What's the metaphor? Five out of five shower curtains. There we go. Five out of five shower curtains. Cheers. Uh-huh. And then uh, I guess we'll see you guys for part two. Yeah. Well, you guys can maybe think about what true crime I'm going to do, because what would you think? Yeah, well... Ed Gein, but we already did Ed Gein. Yeah, so... Um, to be surprised. Yeah, and I'll, I have no idea. We're about to record it, so... <laughs> <laughs> so in the meantime... You can message us, guess, see what you think, and then whatever I choose, let me know if you thought that was a good one or or what. Yeah, and I am trying to manage the Twitter presence, and I do watch it. I get notifications, so if you have uh, thoughts, um, uh, I guess message me on Twitter. Sometimes that is better. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>